This is Mr. Fun Size Marco Stunt, and you're listening to Wrestling Cheers. Taking your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. That troubles are all the same You wanna go where everybody knows your name You wanna go where you can see That troubles are all the same You wanna go And welcome back to Wrestling Cheers Where everybody knows your name Especially when all the shows get cancelled this is Wrestling Cheers. We like to talk about things going on Northeast our independent wrestling scene. We preview shows, we review shows, and sometimes we even have interviews along the way. This was supposed to be a preview episode for AIW's Gauntlet for the Gold, but unfortunately that was canceled, and I was scrambled to try to figure out what I'm going to do with the next almost month worth of uh, AIW-related episodes. So, uh, instead of doing a preview of a show that's not coming up, I uh, decided to pull the trigger on an interview that I've I've been putting off for a while, and that is with none other than Mouse from Mouse's Wrestling Adventures, and we will get to him very, very shortly, but Wrestling Cheers is brought to you by the Trending Topics Network and Midwest Territory. Please rate, review, and subscribe to your ever listens fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Podbean, WrestlingCheers.Podbean.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Cheers, Twitter.com slash Wrestling Cheers, and Instagram.com slash Wrestling Cheers. Email, if you so choose, a desire Wrestling Cheers at gmail.com, and we have the merch store over at watermaneuver.net. Like I said, I had to pull the trigger on the interview with Mouse from Mouse's Wrestling Adventures, and he is on the line with us right now. How's it going, Mouse? I'm here. So, like, you know, you and I have never met. I think it, 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 it would be a real honor if, uh, you know, I, w- I would get to meet you and, like, we, we'd get to become friends. So this is honor that you have granted me such an interview. You're welcome. You know, I think we've been in the same places <laughs> at the same time, just never walked up to each other. <laughs> uh, I'll give a little uh, explanation for people. Like, this, like this is, like, half true. Um I met Mouse like a numerous, numerous amount of times. Okay, uh, probably about three ish, I want to say. And then when he gets introduced to me from uh, Will, uh, he's like, "Oh, I don't think we've ever met." And I'm like, "Dude, we've been around each other like three different shows." <laughs> like, and you like you didn't speak to me. Actually, four if we consider uh, the you're the first JLIT that you went to, and then. PWF and then Southern Underground Pro and then that particular uh, AIW show, which was also JLIT. And I was like, dude, like I've already met you uh, for I think for a while. We might have followed you on Twitter. <laughs> I think I threw you a friend request at one point because I I remember from my point of view, it was like Andy from. Uh, or Drucifer, whatever you want to call him, from the Road Home from Wrestling. He threw out like a bunch of like names, like oh, everybody should like either like follow these people or like be friends with them. And like your name was on the list. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let me go to be their friend. Nope, never. And I'm like, ah, oh, he just doesn't know me. Then I met you at PWF, or like we were 
there and you didn't really say much to me. And I was like, all right, I'm just a random dude. Like, he doesn't understand. And then, like, at Southern Underground Pro, like, you shot in the same room that I did interviews in. And I came back in after the show. Not a word. You might have said goodbye to me. That might have been the weird thing, like, when we left the barbecue restaurant. You might have said goodbye to me. Probably. Edley's is amazing, and it makes you into a nice Southern person. Oh, that's like – I was just talking to the Sobros about that. I love that restaurant. Like, I wasn't there long, but, uh, like, I should say even, like, food. I didn't really eat a lot of food other than, like, Zachby's and Shoney's, but that was one that I remember was that barbecue restaurant. Maybe it was just because I was hungry from all day but oh it was so so good i think everybody loves at least except for jay rose because he's had a string of bad luck where he would get his food when everybody's ready to leave oh <laughs> uh, yeah so like that's that's where we we get the whole thing like actually i i fuck with mouse every time i see him now and i'm like oh please to meet you please meet you sir please meet you sir and <laughs> it's gotten to a point where it's like shut the fuck up we know each other <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's my fault. Like, the thing is, I think, like, the first J-Lit I went to, I think the only person aside from people in the locker room that I introduced myself to was uh, Caden. Um, and then outside of that, like, PWF, I actually remember seeing you at the PWF show. And I was like, I knew, like, okay, that's the, that's the AIW Cleveland podcast guy. But me being me at the time, I didn't talk to anybody. So it was just like, okay, keep your head down. And maybe they keep letting you take pictures. Yeah. And I honestly don't remember something. I just remember you posting about being there. But I really don't remember the sub. But there's been so many subs, I don't I don't remember most of them. It was uh, I Am King. Uh, Carrie Awful was supposed to be there. Then I found out he he had to cancel for whatever reason. Like, he wasn't booked on the show, but he was going to do the, the IWTV shows that he was doing at that time. Uh, and, okay, the and, little interview show. Yeah, and he was going to do it in that room. And then I remember Jesse or Koo or somebody telling me, like, hey, yeah, he's not here, so uh, he couldn't make it. So, like, you get that room. I'm like, awesome. It, which is, it was a very, very nice room. That's, like, the probably the best uh, accommodations I've ever gotten from a, a company. <laughs> and granted, it's just <laughs> the room that was available, but, like, obviously with the couch and the lighting, like, it, like, it, was, it was so much fun. And then, like, I was like, well, I'm going to keep my stuff here. Like, I don't want to have to run everything out to the car because I think I ran up almost close to bell time. So, like, let me just, like, put everything up here and I'll come back after the show. So, when I come back in, you're, like, getting done with all your photography shit. And, like, we, I know we were in the same room for at least that moment. I think where you were shooting, you were on the other side of the ring from where I was. Because, ironically enough, that was the first time I had been in the same room with Stepstool Sarah. And she was on my side of the ring. Okay. Yeah. It, all these shows start blending together. Like, yeah. But that is probably one of the sweetest uh, ring rooms I've ever came across for in a music venue type of deal. I'm going to mess that place. I hope they rebuild it. Yeah. Like, everything going on with them. Like, you know, the, the sub show was this past Sunday and everything. It... T- on TV, it looked different, and I, I like you said, I hope everything works out. I hope they're able to rebuild it, and everything works out. Like maybe they rebuild it better, however. But it, it was a venue that I, I fell in love with just watching on TV, and then actually getting to go there. Like I, I'll never forget, like getting there right as, not necessarily doors open, but when like when everybody was let in, and 
just before the ring got set up and just like look around like so this is it this is the basement east this is where southern underground pro is and watching the ring get built and like watch wrestlers walk in like i remember walking in and then i remember chilling for a while and i remember marco walking in because that was a big highlight for me yeah like to me basement east and sup are one and the same because aside from yesterday basement east was the seen sup at or taking pictures of sup at and so that's all i knew like i didn't know the i think they ran what like two shows or something i think outside of basement east uh before they got there so i really didn't know any other way for sup to be and so watching everything get set up yesterday was so different like uh the ring was honestly a different ring than they normally use because they didn't use the typical low boy that they use yeah. Um, they had to set it up in a way that was kind of odd and weird. So there wasn't people surrounding the ring. They were pretty much to one side. Like the venue was cool and everything, but it just wasn't sup. Like it, it was a different feel. Like not saying that it was bad, good, or anything. It's just it wasn't what we know sup to be. You could tell that people were still with a lot on their minds with the storms that they just went through. And then now, you know, they're being told, Oh yeah, you can't gather around people. So it's just all mixed in trying to put on a show. It was just different and weird. Yeah. The, uh, Jesse had a name for it. I can't remember off the top of my head besides, uh, achy breaky two anxiety boogaloo or something like that. Um, because I know, yeah. Like, because the very first show I went to was the first uh, what he re- he's referring to, which is the breaking show, and they had tons of cancellations on that show, which is what honestly led to Marco getting to wrestle for stuff for the first time. Um, they had a carload, I think, that was supposed to be coming from Chicago. That was freelance people that couldn't make it, mm-hmm. and so Marco, uh, I think Cabana Man Dan. Yep. Uh, there was a St. Louis. Group what I think uh, Danny Adams and people like that that were there that ended up getting put on the show, which of course sparked him becoming the guy and everything. But it was one of those things where when you think everything's falling apart, other people were there to show you, no, it's not. We're here to step up and we're here to take care of everything. And they definitely did that show. And there was people who stepped up yesterday because as they were saying, like what they had planned and what they wanted to do, because of everything going on, started falling apart. And they had people that were there to ready to show and prove why they were needing to be on that show. So everybody stepped up to do what they had to do, but it was just such a weird environment, different than what any of us were ever really used to as far as being at a sub show. Yeah. Um, I think you bring up a point of the fact that like it was uh, the storm and everything – and and all this is just it's just a weird weird time for them um but even you go back to like that that particular first achy breaky show and all that stuff like marco made such the best of it and same with uh cabana man dan and even that was what was technically my second introduction to danny adams because he did do uh come to find out uh i forgot because i didn't know who he was he did uh, the Jaylet pre-show a couple, a couple years ago. Two thousand, I want to say it was twenty fourteen, uh, and because he was 
trained by Elgin, Elgin like kind of like had a student showcase that got thrown on to the fan fest on day two. So obviously had no idea who Danny Adams was. And then seeing him in Southern Underground Pro, which I fell in love with that version. And now we're to a place where like it's, it's Dan, the dad now. And he's, yeah, he's completely different. He really hit a stride. Like I, I loved him as just regular Danny Adams, who was kind of a heel, but this is just, this is so good. And I, I love all the places I've seen him pop up at. It's it's nuts. I think the first time I seen him was early Glory Pro. I think he was tagging with uh, Paco, if I'm not mistaken. And I think they were then starting to enter into a feud. Um, and then even like he, there's been, he's definitely one of those dudes who's been tweaking and figuring things out and trying to find his path. And I think he found something that people are finally gravitating to, and hopefully he can only make it get bigger and bigger. It's the thing that I, I truly love about independent wrestling is like when you just tune into other shows and you get I also wrestlers who just get that opportunity, and next thing you know, you're you're watching somebody you've never heard of before, and then you fall in love with them, and you look look at like going back to a guy like uh, Danny Adams who. It seemed like this Dan the Dad thing was getting pushed for a while as a joke. And then if you look at some of the uh, best gimmicks right now in, in independent wrestling, it's the ones that are full committal and the ones that are the content creators, which I don't, I don't think Dan the Dad is up there with guys like Effie Danhausen and uh, Warhorse. But it's it's very close. And he helps stand out from just regular wrestlers that you'll find anywhere. Well, like whenever he has uh, had the opportunity to type of content, he maximizes the time that he's in that content. I think there was one weekend where him and Horace, I think Allie were traveling together, and they were treating it like it was uh, a father taking his kids on vacation. And, you know, wrestlers being wrestlers, you know, saving a buck and sharing a hotel and maximizing that time in that hotel and making content. And those videos were funny. Like, he did a great job of, you know, taking some people that already got that buzz from the videos and interjecting himself in there to where he's not overshadowing them. He's adding to what they already do along with what he's doing. Yeah, he really, really got a chance to, like, stick out so much more. And it's crazy, too, like, someone like Allie has not had as much exposure with that kind of, that kind of stuff. She had a couple good promos. Like, uh, not counting the one with Nick Gage, but like where it was a lot of character, it was a lot of her, but I think some of the other ones I'm thinking of with her had somebody else in it, and maybe that was the reason why they were made. Yes, uh, you're talking about the videos that J-Rose did, uh, I think when she had a, a couple of matches at AEW, where I guess we're going to call him the man that won't be named, but they were doing some videos about him trying to change her. Yeah. That were great because at the end of the day, they had amazing dude who was making and are helping them create that content, which is J-Rose. That dude can take the worst videos in the world, polish them up, put them together, add some music, and make you care about those videos. Um, like before we start about the WrestleMania videos that me and the IFHY kids shot that were just horrendous. Like I... 
uploaded all the videos that we shot unedited to like Twitter one random day. Mm-hmm. And, like they were really, really, really bad. And J Rose took about three or four videos, chopped them up, took the best parts that he thought were worth keeping and stuck them into one video. And it's literally hilarious. And he makes sure the, uh, I guess take a little jab to say, Hey, I had really nothing to do with this except for editing it. Mm-hmm. I'll shot it. Because they, they were terrible, but he made them worth watching. And most people who have ever seen the finished video claim for it to be like the best video they've ever seen because it's, it's hilarious because part of it is uh, Sean Kemp forgets the the date of the show. So he just has this blank look in his eyes. He's looking at the camera and he's like, May, OP Dub, because he forgot that it was like May 3rd that the show was on, even though in several videos he had the date right. Mm-hmm. But J. Rose chose the right stuff to use to make it better. And then literally the way that Wolf walks off where he's like, cut, cut, that's really how he was at that point because we did about four videos. He was like, this isn't going to get any better. It's just going to keep getting worse. So we just cut it and we went back to the Airbnb. <laughs> um, I was just thinking, can, can you explain to people why you hate Trey Lamar so much? <laughs> I just want to make him a better person. Like <laughs> We all do. <laughs> like My thing is, that, honestly, my true feelings about Trey – I think if there's a kid that you could pluck and probably put on TV right now, he's probably one of them. He's just got some uh, maturing to do. Like, I talk with Dom about this stuff. I think I had a brief conversation with Thorne about this immediately. Trey's biggest problem is Trey. Trey gets in the way of Trey. And I think he's making little steps to try to clean up some of the maturity things that he needs to. Once he fully gets there, there's nothing that would hold that kid back. Because the kid's really fucking good mm-hmm. like really good like uh, he's definitely like i was pushing for them to bring him in like a year and a half ago like i was talking to him at a black label show and i was like who do you want, who do you want to rest? and like his he was like, I want to rest Byron. all right let me see if i can make that happen so i literally like pulled up a like a chat or something and started recording him saying he wants myron and i messaged it to the paradigm guys it took literally like six months from that point to even make it happen but we were able to do i think one match real quick then i think they wrestled at the paradigm match is a way to build towards it then i think they might have had another one then they literally have been in a in the feud at unsanctioned for a while but it's stuff like that where the first time i seen that kid was a I think I've seen him wrestle Trip, and Trip looked at him and, and stopped. Looked at uh, Ian Rogers. When did Myron get a chest tattoo? That shit popped us. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just that kids, a kid's got a look that stands out. And like I tell him all the time, when he comes out, he starts peacocking. Like his hair, he brings that hair back. He sticks that chest out and arms are frailing around like he's next man or something. But the dude's got something. Like, once he just figures out transitioning into a wrestling adult, then he'll be fine. Because the messed up thing is, like, he's literally been taking care of, like, his own finances, bills, and things like that since he was, like, 18 or something like that. So the kid knows how to be an adult. 
He just needs to learn time management. And I tell him all the time, like, dude, you put everything together, there's nothing you can't do. And then you just got to know when to use your mouth and know when to not use it. And, like, we we get along very well. Like, Mm -hmm. my house is one of the places where if he's passing through town, he has go and needs to get some sleep or something like that. He's on the couch like everybody else. And I've done things to try to help him expand. Like um, a little inside baseball, um, last month he got to wrestle the uh, strong hands. He got the call to do that literally about two or three days before the show or whatever. Mm. Like I had, I got a DM from Sammy saying, hey, I've been trying to call Trey, call me. So I called Sammy. I was like, what's up? He's like, yo, I've been calling Trey and Trey's not answering. I was like, well, the kid works third shift, so he's probably asleep. Give me a second. I would get him on the phone. Like, 15 minutes of trying to get Sammy off the phone. So I the kid. He finally just started blowing the kid's phone. He finally answers. I'm like, there's a huge opportunity for you to find He was like, no, I'll just rest up and probably, you know, hang out, maybe go to my mom's or maybe just sit at home do you want to wrestle, uh, you know, Shima and the strong guards? He's like, are you, are you serious? I was like, yes. Do you, do you want this? He's like, yeah. I was like, call Sammy, call him right now. I was like, he's been trying to get home. So like Trey's calling him. And he finally got him on the phone and boom, here you go, kid. You got an opportunity. And like I told him after the match, out of the six people in that match, you stood out. You didn't stand out because you did a bunch of fancy moves or anything else. You stood out because you sat there and allowed a man to beat your damn chest in. Like the chops he was taking that entire match were so brutal. Like his chest was bruised and red and everything else by the time he was done. I'm pretty sure it started bleeding by the time he was done. Yeah. But it's one of those things. That's what stood out to everybody in the match because you got got a match where a whole bunch of people are doing a whole bunch of fast moves and stuff like that. Guess what? People don't remember this. They remember Trey getting his chest beat in. They remember Trey taking it like a man. Hell, the kid was probably go to the middle of the ring and take another. Like Ace Austin had to grab him and pull him out of the ring because he literally was heading towards the middle of the ring to take another chop. I was like, that's what people are going to remember. They're not going to remember anything else that happened. They're going to remember that stuff. And they're going to remember you stood there and took it like a man. I was like, at the end of the day, the strong hearts are going to remember you because they know you sat there and took it like a man. You didn't hide. You didn't, you know, cower or anything like that. You took it. And then you got what you needed to get in out of it. I was like, that's what I remember out of stuff. That's literally the only stuff I can remember from that match. Trey getting his chest chipped. I don't know anything else that happened in that match unless I look back at my pictures of it. But I was glad that I was able to have that. And then, what, I think a week later, he had uh, Alex Shelley at AIW. Yeah. So the kid had a hell of a hell of a February. And I think once we all get to back to normalcy and start being able to attend and have shows mm-hmm. again, the kid's going to start getting more and more opportunities to press people levels above him so he can start leveling up. Because it's one of those things where – I think it's time for that kid to shift into being people's wrestling goals. Like, not just for you to reach your goals, but for people to say, I want to wrestle that guy. 
that guy's on my bucket list of people to to wrestle. And I think he's a couple matches from being that, from showcasing that he's all the things that other people are doing. It's just he's got to keep wanting to push himself and do the things that he needs to do. Like, one thing I wish the kid would do is 10 more practices. Like, find time to 10 practices. Find time to do, you know, the seminars that AIW has brought in. Because if you look at their schedules, really great seminars. Finding that time to, to do that. So if that means cutting out some extracurricular time or using some vacation time or something like that to make sure he can go do that, then he needs to do it. And it's, like I said, those are little things that I think he needs to step up. If he does that stuff, I think he's more opportunities at AIW, like the Alex Shelley situation. I think he would see more opportunities outside of the AIW. And I think people would start looking at him as just an AIW student and more of Trey Lamar, the wrestler. There's already people that are starting to see him. There's no reason that he should playing field as, you know, the Ace Austins or the Marys or any of these kids that are just as many years as he's in it that are currently getting opportunities that he needs. I think that's the, the kind of, I don't want to say weird thing about him, but he, he came from kind of a tough class of the AIW school of right now, the, if I'm correct, the one who came out the same time he did is Bishop and Bishop is having a, a phenomenal time. And if you actually look at the growth that Bishop has had since he debuted, like he, he keeps adding to it. And I kind of like the way that you put it of, um, you know, Trey is kind of like, he's I don't, wrestling like a kid. Like he's kind of in that kind of mode like, he needs to wrestle more like an adult to where you're not looking at him like, oh, this is Trey Lamar, the kid. Like, no, this is this is Trey Lamar. Like, Bishop was just kind of like, he, he was kind of a kid Bishop. But we're not we're not there anymore. You don't think of that Josh Bishop anymore. You almost think that they're two different wrestlers. Yeah, I think, like, once Bishop got dropped off, something in him changed. Like, that kid, one, he's already built like a massive monster and he's he's doing he's playing the game the way he needs to play it in order to get the opportunities to get like he's doing all the things right that people that are seeing him do are gravitating towards and are willing to give him the opportunities and it's just it's like even having a corporate job or anything like that like as much as you may not want to play a game there is a game to be played and I think Trey struggles at trying to figure out how to navigate this world and play the game to, you know, show people that he can handle high-level situations. And I think definitely at AIW over the past uh, couple of Akron shows, he's shown that he can do that. Um, the one that I went to in, was it November? He had Eddie. Yeah. Um, and then he just had Alicelli. Like, hell, the one that he had with Eddie, in my opinion, he cut an amazing promo leading into that. Um and it's stuff like that that he has to continue to do. And I think if he continues to do that, I think people will start taking him in another, you know, light. Like you said, not Trey Lamar the kid. Trey Lamar the mature adult that we need to give opportunities to. He he does get those ch- chances to shine in Akron, which is which is fantastic. Like I'll admit to, like I love giving Trey Lamar shit. Like there's a reason why for a while I was jokingly trying to start a Blee Trey Blee chant. And then what happens against Alex Shelley? Oh, he 
busts his lip open and starts to bleed. I even joked with him after the show. I was like, I, like, I was kidding about all that. So we're, we're good now. Like, like you finally bled. Okay. We're, we're done. Uh, but he, he's definitely one of those that I agree with what you said. There's something there. It's just, there's a, there's like a lot of work that needs to be done, but I think since he's debuted there, there has been progression, but not knowing as much, you know, technical stuff, like he probably should be going to like practice more and he should, uh, attempting to step his game up even more but I think over the next couple of years especially I think him being around a guy like Lee Moriarty like there's no reason that uh, Trey could get to somewhat of the status of Lee Moriarty different styles but still like you know Lee was kind of uh, undiscovered talent in, in Pittsburgh area like you knew him if you lived in this area but Outside of that, I don't think he was well-known. And now, you know, more and more. But it's, it's a dude who worked hard at it and was constantly hungry. And I think, like, Trey's young. He's definitely young. He is, So I can understand why he's not at it as much as most people. But I think in all due time for him, I just as long as he doesn't give up uh, or anything like that. And as long as he gets his windshield fixed. <laughs> uh, but he is definitely one of those kids where – there's flashes of maturity, things that he does that people don't see. A uh, perfect example of that is uh, my show this past um, October. Trey was part of one of the original matches that I wanted to see, which was Trey versus Jonathan Wolf. Um, the match started falling apart. The show started falling apart. Things started changing. But one of those changes was my call. Um, Trey shot me a message. was like, hey, we got a situation. He's like, I have an opportunity to go to Canada. Without hesitation, I said, go. He's like, no, you booked me first, so you have priority over where I go. I was like, no, go. I was like, my show's done. Go to Canada, kid, because this could open more doors for you. Like, he fought back and forth a little bit on it, but I was like, no, go. And so he went with Alley Cat and I think PB to Canada, the rest I believe it was C4 or something like that. But it was one of those things like, my show ain't going to do nothing for you. Hell, nobody even has seen video of my show. It's it's hidden on a on a Google Drive because the camera quality was so terrible. But I was able to, you know, reconfigure stuff. I was able to get Lee to come down. And Jonathan ended up falling out because he murdered himself the night before at IWA before my show. But I was able to make Lee wrestle Sean Kemp, which was a really good match. It was a great alternative to the match that I wanted to see. And the mess of thing is, I actually got to see Trey versus Jonathan Wolf, and I'm probably the only person that really understood the magnitude of the match of them two wrestling that got to see it. Um, we went to Jonathan Wolf's grandfather's uh, wrestling company up in Indianapolis, and they had a five-minute match on a random Saturday in front of probably about 10 or 15 people. Um, it was amazing leading into that because Trey almost was forced to wrestle uh a guy that kind of floats around, I guess, Indianapolis and pretty much wrestles only for uh, Jonathan's grandfather. But uh, as Adam Slade tells him all the time, he uh, died on that sword so Trey could live. <laughs> because <laughs> we were like, oh, we can't, we can't let Trey have to do this. So, so uh, once Wolf got there, he went to the grandfather and changed the match. But we still make fun of Trey because I was like, we should have made him wrestle that guy, see what he could really do. <laughs> So you mentioned Jonathan Wolf and Sean Kemp. Um, 
And not, not to confuse with Alexander Wolf, who is not Jonathan Wolf. That's, that's kind of it's spelled differently too. But how familiar are you with IFHY? Uh, whenever I first started taking pictures, um, <laughs> Wolf was one of the first kids that I met. It was like him and Colbert were the first couple of kids that started asking for pictures. Um, one Wolf started asking for pictures because he was 16 years old and TPI wrestling uh, Chris Hero. So, of course, he wanted pictures of that. So, like, you're, you're talking about a kid who's been wrestling since he could walk. Him and Sean Kemp. Um, they, uh, Wolf is a third-generation wrestler. Grandfather owns promotion, promotes shows, been wrestling for, I don't know, probably 30, 40 years or some, some shit. Then you got his father, who's been wrestling since like the mid early nineties or something like that. So this kid's done nothing but eat, sleep wrestling. Like that's all this kid wants to do. Um, several times a week, the kid will go grab the keys to his grandfather's building just to go train and practice and stuff like that. Um, literally the kid's probably responsible for most up and coming wrestlers in Indiana, especially if they float around that Indianapolis area. Um, he's had his hands on helping uh, train Brayden Lee a little bit more than what um, Brayden's original school has taught him. Uh, like Wolf makes jokes that he's helped Brayden do moves that Wolf himself can't do. Like I believe he explained the mechanics of a shooting star press to, to Brayden so he could do it. And Wolf's like, I couldn't do that to save my life, but somehow I was able to explain how to do it to this kid, and now he doesn't. So it's stuff like that that I think a lot of people don't know that part, that this kid has helped people. Like, the kid's responsible for a lot of the stuff that my stepdaughter learns in the ring. Like, he literally will message her or her mother and say, hey, we're doing practice on Sunday if you want to come up. And her mom will, her doc, well, Billy will beg her mom to drive her up two hours to Indianapolis just so she could practice with Wolf and whatever, you know, Indianapolis kids decide to show up that day. Um, so it's stuff like that that people don't see. They see the kid, you know, diving off the turnbuckle into chairs on top of coup. They see the kid, you know, diving, you know, tackling people off of guardrails or, you know, trying to murder himself, but they don't see that this kid literally has his fingerprints over most of these kids that are coming up right now in the Indiana area. And he's literally just now about ready to turn 21. Yeah, that, that shit's so fucking nuts. But I, I love hearing about it and just watching IFHY grow as a group is been amazing. Like, I, I think my first exposure in person probably was PWF. I might have heard about them prior to that. I don't remember which shows, but seeing them uh, and then that version, that was, uh, I believe, what, Sean Kemp and Jonathan Wolf. Yes, yes. And it's crazy because I, I look at a guy like Jonathan Wolf, who had a brief stint in AIW, but it it just didn't click. Like, he didn't connect necessarily connect with the fans. I didn't know really who who he was, and nothing like kind of like talking about with uh, Trey sometimes. Of like, well, like what sticks out, and what doesn't. I felt like with Jonathan Wolf, it was just I remember your name, I remember your face, I remember nothing else. So when he didn't doesn't come back after a while, it's like 
oh man, where'd he go? It's just like, oh yeah, he was here at one point. But adding uh, just that dynamic of IFHY and seeing him and Kemp together, uh, especially you know two younger wrestlers who have so much so much room to improve and so much time to do it that it's been so awesome. And then adding like just the group aspect too with Alley Cat and with Cole Radrick and with Billy Starks and uh, I know I'm missing. Like two other Tyler people. Matrix. Tyler Matrix, yes. And then you gotta put J Rose in there because he is. Oh yeah, yeah, and J Rose. But like watching this 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 Voltron of a faction come together and th- I feel like they've all helped each other one way or another. And J Rose being a guy who is, you know, more behind the scenes I, than anything is I, I don't wanna mean to cut you off, but I wanna be because I don't wanna be a dick and not include that young lady because she's definitely you know, holding her own as far as a female wrestler in the state of Indiana. I think I know. I, uh, she just had a match with Billy, right? They uh, they've had tons of matches. Um, she was she for a while was like uh, the IWA Women's Champion. I think she had yeah. had it for almost a, I feel like almost a year off and on for the past year she started like IWA last spring mm-hmm. um, I think within her first match or two became the IWA women's champion uh, she was the only female I believe in this past year's TPI and she's uh, she did like a evolve tryout and from what I was told, they reviewed her very well. They just really couldn't do anything with her because of her age. Um, but, yeah, she's trying to figure out how to navigate this world because um, Indiana is one of those weird places where you don't necessarily have to be 18 to wrestle. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, young high school kids uh, wrestling, um, i.e., um, perfect example is uh, my stepdaughter. She can't wrestle in the known state she lives in. She has to cross the river to go wrestle. But there's a lot of them that are floating around here wrestling and starting very early. Indiana, you, you kind of want to say it's like uh, been in England or something like that, where you can start very young. Nobody really says much. It's, I, I've said it to you before, and I can't remember whether I've said it here like on the show. Uh, I know I've said it on Twitter. She, not meaning Billy, she reminds me a lot of Johnny Gargano and it's, it's a total compliment. And it's someone who is starting off very, very young, figuring out a lot of the, the intricate workings of the business and their character and all that kind of stuff to the point of when she is an adult, that it's, it's going to be a world of difference of somebody who is just starting to wrestle at her age and her. And she'll, I, no, I, I echo a lot of people's sentiment. Like, she's probably, like, the future of women's wrestling, at least within the next, you know, like, decade. And I think it's because she's going to have so much time and, like, she's going to kill it. Like, she's she's already uh, getting a lot of buzz right now. Yeah, it's one of those things where the way we look at it is if she keeps the drive she has right now, you know, the sky's the limit. She can go anywhere she wants, probably be able to pick where she wants. But the other side of it is, is that because what she was doing before wrestling and her ability to network before wrestling, she's been granted a lot of opportunities that people that are only one or two years in 
typically wouldn't have. Like whatever bucket list or I hope list or anything that she has, she's literally just knocking everything off. Um, she is kind of like how I am with photography. I never really had a dream list of things I want to do. It's just stuff that tends to kind of land in my lap and happen is what's happening with her. Like she's getting opportunities that people that have been wrestling five, six, seven, eight, you know, nine, 10 years would dream of like even opportunities. She didn't know she wanted, she's getting, and I, our fears, we don't want her to get these opportunities and either one get burnt out. Now she doesn't care because she's already done everything she wanted to do to not be humble and become, you know, an asshole. Um, but we've been lucky the way that her attitude set up. She's very appreciative of everything she's ever been given opportunities. She's our, anything she's gotten. She's been very happy and very appreciative of that. She knows she has to work even harder after getting those opportunities. Um, you're, you're talking about a kid that will go wrestle a Kylie Ray on a Saturday. The following day, she wants to go practice. She wants to go get better. And that's her attitude. Um, so that's why anything she's ever gotten, I promise she's put in more work than most people and has earned the hell out of that opportunity. Because on top of her full-time wrestling schedule, she has, here's a kid who's, you know, an honors class, straight A student in high school. So she's taking on a workload of, you know, full course load of classes and homework while also trying to figure out how to fit dates and practices into that already busy schedule. So anything she gets, she deserves. There's, oh, there's fucking so much with her. I, I'm enjoying the shit out of like watching her just kind of grow because you, I think what I see is I see the, the love of it all. And I look at, you know, people that I know locally you know, like we we kind of talked about this prior, but uh, we'll we'll get into it almost like it's new. But like, how long has like she been wrestling? Uh, it'd be two years from the time she started practice coming up in uh, May. Uh, so even her starting training, it was something that we didn't even know that we would be able to do. Uh, from the time I introduced her to wrestling, she was like three when I met her. Um, she fell in love with it. The the kid just is happy and nice and polite and whatever she is. She likes violence for whatever reason. <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad. Um, <laughs> but she would always say, I want to be a wrestler. Um, then I also used to watch like Criminal Minds and Law and Order and stuff like that with her. So she really like got into the whole crime stuff. So she wanted to be like a crime scene investigator. Um, then she also, for some reason, wanted to be ice cream truck driver because I guess that's, oh, I want to be happy and make people happy attitude she has. So we always told her, you go to college, wherever you go to college, we will find a wrestling school for you to train at. You know, her mom would say, I would pay for it. You go to college, I'll pay for whatever you want to do. You just got to go to college. So that's what we assumed. 18, she was going to probably go find a college near some type of training school she wanted to attend, and that was going to be her going into wrestling. Uh, we were at a random show. I was messing with Madman Pondo about training her. Pondo was like, I don't have a ring, but Tony does. And Tony being too tough Tony, he pulled Tony over. He talked to me about it. Tony said, come to a class, see if you like it. She went to a class, got in the ring, 
The trainer said, do you want to take some bumps? Do you want to bounce off the ropes? She started doing some stuff. Like, without hesitation, just took a flat back bump. Like, no fear, no he- Like, she just did it. And they're like, okay. Um, they get out of the ring. He looks at us. I look at her mom. I'm like, she's not going to get out of that ring. Like, this is it. So they talked pricing, and then he looked at her shoes and said, she's got to get better shoes. Because she was in there in her chair shoes that she had. But from that point on, she was starting. And I think part of what really lit that fire that she could do it was we went to making towns that right before she started training. And down at uh, making towns, you know, she's in a room taking promo pictures of, you know, Priscilla Kelly, Jordan Grace, uh, her big sister, Samantha Heights, and people like that. And she's seeing that this dream is achievable. And then for the most part, one of the reasons, even with her age, that we're not afraid of anything happening to her, most of the girls that she's gotten in the ring with, she's been bigger than. Um, essentially, like the one girl that's been probably bigger than her that she's been in the ring with has been uh, Jordan Grace or uh, Savannah Evans. Other than that, she's pretty much about the same size or bigger than most of these girls that she's wrestled. And she's definitely probably tougher than most of them um our feedback that we, we always get about her is she's very stiff um like uh like she will hit you and she expects to be hit back so she's not afraid of any type of contact or anything like that so she's a she's a tough little kid and she's not afraid of anything so that's why we know ain't nobody gonna break her like if anybody's gonna break her i'm pretty sure wrestling around and me putting her in walls of Jericho and stuff like that, that I should have been the one that would have broken her. She, she real literally like when we would wrestle around like me and her brother, like her brother would cry and stuff like that or tap out. She wouldn't tap out. She would just cry and like, would just have tears streaming, wouldn't tap out. And I wouldn't even know it. Her mom's like, mouse, stop. You're making her cry. And then she'd get mad because I let her out. It's like, no, you're crying, but she's a tough little kid. It's crazy. I think it's crazy, too, um, wrestling for two years, and she's done as much as she has. I I would want this to be a wake-up call for a lot of wrestlers out there. You're talking about a female teenage wrestler who has wrestled in... Uh, I've seen like her post like how many states it's been. It's crazy. I think I want to say maybe around 10. Maybe her mom's whispering eight to me. Okay, eight. Eight sounded. <laughs> I was close, but eight fucking states. What is your excuse, wrestler listening to this, who has been wrestling longer than two years and has not wrestled in more than two states? Set your game up. This, uh, when I heard you kind of talk about this with Andy from Road Home from Wrestling, I was like. She just be, kind of became my measuring stick to wrestlers. Like, oh, what have you done? All right, you're you're shit compared to a teenage girl who's kicking your ass. Set your game up. What are you doing? Yeah, it's one of those things where I think when you combine the attitudes of me and her mother, yeah, and she's listening to how we talk because one, I'm very very opinionated of how I think people should maneuver or act. In any type of business, especially if you want something, it's like the same stuff we were talking about, Trey. Um, if you want to be part of this world, 
you have to make yourself part of this world, which means you have to get out of your small bubble. Like you can be that, you know, big fish in that tiny little pond, or you can start going networking and stuff like that. Like uh, last year, um, her mom had given me permission the year before to go to Mania. She seen how sad and depressed I looked because uh, Billy had a cheer competition in South Carolina. And the whole time I'm watching everything from, uh, I believe it was New Orleans, uh, um, like the WrestleCon stuff, the Beyond stuff, the stuff that evolved. I'm just watching all this stuff. And I'm looking at shows I could have easily been at taking pictures. Her response to me was like, next year you can go. You don't have to go to the cheer competition with us. I was like, no, I'm going to go wherever my family goes. So once, once she started wrestling, once Billy started wrestling, she decided to go ahead let cheer go because the whole purpose of cheerleading was she wanted to use that to learn to tumble for wrestling. It had nothing really to do with cheerleading as much as she enjoyed it. It had everything to do with preparing for wrestling. So we decided to turn it into a family trip. I made a simple suggestion. Hey, take small things that you have merch wise because her mom had gotten some, uh, some pins made, uh, some of those enamel pins. So she took a little baggie of them as she was meeting people. Here, I have a pen. And so she started networking and talking and helping out and doing whatever she needed to do because it's something she's learned to do as far as helping by being at Black Label shows with me or being at uh, Rockstar Revolver shows. Um, she would always help, always talk to wrestlers. She would watch the shows with wrestlers and pick their brains and ask, like, why you do this, why you do that. So she networked a ton at Mania which then made people know who she was because at the end of the day, Oh, the little blue haired girl or the little purple haired girl, whatever colors she had at the time, they <laughs> knew that girl that stood out to them because she was there. It's kind of like, uh, there's a couple girls from Chicago that have essentially started doing the same thing. Uh, Blair Onyx and Elena, like they go to shows and help out. And like, that's something that she did that helped her stand out. And by her being, one of the few girls at mania actually helping out and doing things that she's supposed to do. It helped whenever it came time for post mania for people to start looking for bodies to wrestle. Okay. Yeah. That little blue hair girl that was around, like she continued to go to shows and people started seeing that stuff and it started helping. And I think a lot of people don't understand how much network helps setting up a ring, being around, greeting the promoter, greeting other wrestlers, becoming friends, getting additional help to get somebody to open that door to a promotion for you is so important. And these are things that helped her so much um, because through the contacts that we've made, it's allowed people to give her opportunities. Um, literally contacts we made just from going to shows allowed her to get an opportunity to get a shot at anarchy that was a door that was open through a need that they needed from me and then me just kind of mumbling stuff because i realized you don't say anything you don't get it you yeah. say something you're probably going to get it and she went in there and she showed she could handle herself and she made that crowd fall in love with her which in turn they begged for them to bring her back and they continue to bring her back and then they extended you know, the offer of, hey, if you want to be permanent here, there's always a spot for you here if you can make it work. So literally her mom will grab her from school early and they would make the four hour drive to 
anarchy. Like, I, I think I got upset at the last show because I didn't know she was going to be on the show. And I'm sitting at home, and then all of a sudden I'm looking online, and they scratched one of the matches, and they got her in the match, and I have to watch it from, you know, the TV. And I'm like, I could have taken off work and gone had I known in advance. But, it, you know, it is what it is. But it's stuff like that where she's earning these opportunities. Like um, this past uh, October, November, so I watched Black Label Mikey having to tell people why she was getting Kylie Ray. Um, because I think people, you know, still trying to figure out who she is. And they were questioning, like, why didn't you put, you know, Jordan Grace or Alley Cat or somebody like that against Kylie Ray because it was Kylie's first match back. And he's like, Billy Starks has been at every show since the first show. Even before y'all knew her as a wrestler, she was helping out. She was taking pictures. She was setting up chairs, tearing down the ring, setting up the ring, grabbing ring gear, entertaining Mikey's daughter whatever she needed to do to be part of the show she did and it's definitely one of those things where mikey says she earned this opportunity and she went out there and had a match that had half the crowd cry like i don't like telling people this but as soon as the match was over i walked to the back gave her a hug started feeling tears coming looked up and seen um, a photographer buddy uh, michael watson trying to take a picture of me i immediately turned around and ran out of the locker room he wasn't going to catch me slipping, but it's one of those things where like she made me proud. And like I told her, I probably wanted that match that she had more than she wanted that match. But it, it shows that promoters are putting confidence in knowing she's not going to go out there and break, you know, one of the biggest stars on the show. And it's also one of those things where I literally watched Mikey and a year's time go from, eh, if she doesn't suck, I use her to, Really, he kept looking at her as the little girl that followed me around the show and just would help out and, you know, that he would think, like, uh, kind of reminds me of my daughter and I don't know, I don't know. But he started watching matches of hers and he's like, okay. And he started getting confidence in the fact she can handle herself. So it's stuff like that where she's earned the trust of these promoters to get these opportunities to wrestle and for them to trust Somebody that you would typically look at as probably being immature, but she's probably one of the more mature people walking this earth. Yeah. Half the time, I think she's way more mature than I am. I act more like a kid than she does. <laughs> she's definitely somebody who takes every shot that she can get. And I think it goes back to what I was saying of like, there's so many wrestlers out there that really need to, to check themselves and, Granted, it's easy for me to like make criticism of someone who who's never been a wrestler, but I kind of feel like I get similar stuff like doing podcasts and everything. Like I have to take my shot. I have to try to do uh, whatever I can to make this show go, to try to get better content, better people on, and whatever. And it just I I don't talk about this. I think I, I did it. I emailed twice. Once I got a response. The second time I didn't. I actually tried to get Johnny Gargano on here after he had signed. First time was right afterwards. The other time was recently as a follow-up because they responded the first time. But they said, hey, we'll, we'll come back to this later. And then I got like, all right. I'm like, I'll give it two years. See what happens. At least give it a year. And then like right around the two-year anniversary, I sent him an email back like, hey, like, like, where are we at on this? Nothing. Did I think I was going to get it? No. But I know if I didn't try that, you know, where would I be? 
great. I'm in the same spot. If I wouldn't have tried, but at least I know now. And some wrestlers need to follow that same example. Go out and do whatever you can. Like, far as what I can hear from a lot of wrestlers who are successful is you kind of wrestling has to be your life one way or another. I know there's other things in life you you want to be a part of, but you know you have to be almost willing to lose money to go to a show than to get booked. Like you you can go to the promotion one town over, you know you're going to make however much money, but if you drive a little bit further and go to a place that you've never been before that maybe is a bigger company, maybe you'll get a shot. Maybe, no guarantees, but look at I always look at a guy like AJ Gray, and I've talked about this a lot. Dude was driving up from Memphis. That's not the easiest drive. Driving up to AIW for a year. I'll be honest. If I was him, I probably I might have given up six months in. But he made it a full year. And now look at him. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think a lot of these kids don't realize that they are becoming a business. They are a business. They are the CEO of their business. Um, using AJ or even Billy as an example. AJ is the CEO of AJ Gray Inc. He's got to make sure that that AJ Gray brand is valuable enough to that promoter. So at the time that he was going into AIW and not getting anything, I've, I've heard the stories tons of times, AJ Gray, the bartender, AJ Gray, the, the security guard, AJ Gray, the you know ring crew guy, whatever he needed to do to make Thorne say, either I'm going to use this dude or I'm going to tell this dude get the fuck out of my building. And he used him. AJ must have showed him something when he finally used him that said, huh, all right, I'll give him another shot. Then another shot, another shot. And he earned his place. And that's what you have to do sometimes. You have to keep putting yourself in front of that promoter's face to either they tell you to get the fuck away or they use you. And that's the attitude that Billy takes. Like, um, I think right now she's been uh, tweeting at uh, Action Matt literally almost every day, telling him that be a man and put her in the in the futures. Yeah. Because that's literally her goal. Um, last uh, SEI, um, her and the IFHY kids did an interview with Sobros uh, podcast, and she shot her shot for it. She said she wanted to be part of the SEI weekend in some way. She wasn't content doing the same thing she did this past year, which was sit and watch people. She wants to be part of it. So she's making a point to tell them every day she wants to be part of it. She's shooting and calling her shot. And she told him, like Matt happened to be in the room when her and Wolf both said they want to be part of SEI. Wolf said, I want in the tournament. Tournament. He says, I want to be an SEI. I want to be part of that. He's like, there's no reason based off the field you just had that I should not be part of that tournament. And, you know, Billy's saying the same thing. Like, I can be in and win futures. Let me in. They're, they're young kids trying to figure out how to make this stuff work, asking to be taken off the bench and put in the game. So you got to, you know, admire that. Hopefully – it works out for her, and you know Matt's not a coward, and he puts her in the tournament. And Wolf's already got his spot in SCI, and I know he's going to go out there and probably try to kill himself again. And it's one of those things where you got to admire the hustle of these kids, that they're 
calling their shots and doing what they have to do because they understand they are the CEO of their brands and that's how they treat it. Um, that's why Billy's social media is as active as it is. That's why she keeps having as much product to sell as she can because she understands that, like you said, in order to offset the cost of traveling, you got to make some money to get there. And then the other part is every once in a while, you know, you got to take a booking that you may or may not otherwise take in order to fund the bookings that you want to take um, in order to fund the gear that you want to wear. So you look like you love this business or that you want to be part of this business. So it's things that she does or things that some of these kids are doing where I think some of them have figured out that they are a brand and that they are the CEO of their brand and that they have to make their brand live because nobody else is going to market or push your brand as much as you should be. And so you, you got to admire the people that are doing it. And like, I love the AJ Gray story. It's one of those stories that I use all the time to explain to these kids why you show up, why you eat shit over and over because you see some of these kids, like you said, you wouldn't have lasted a year, but you see some of these kids, they go to a place once or twice they don't get an opportunity after the second time. They won't go back. Yeah. And then you t- you talk to them about it. They will shit on the promoter. Like, oh, you know, fuck that guy. He didn't want to book me. He didn't want to use me. I went and set up a ring twice or whatever. Like, no, sometimes it's going to take more than twice because he didn't have a spot that show. Maybe he doesn't have a spot the next show. He may not have a spot for six shows. But if you keep showing up, one or two things are going to happen. Either he's going to tell you to stop showing up. Or he's going to give you a spot. You just don't know when an opportunity is. The day you decide not to go may have been that opportunity. Yeah. You never know. And that's where AJ probably, his head was probably at. The day I don't show up to AIW is the day Thorne's going to want to use me. Yeah. Like you're, we're witnessing that with uh, Levi. Um, he's been going to the AIW shows, I think, since at least I know for sure November. He's been going to every single one. I like he, I think it's the point where he has it marked out on his calendar when AEW AIW's running. Like he knows. I'm trying to remember when I first seen him. It it definitely was before November because there was a handful of uh, shows. Maybe maybe Bobblehead Night sounds about right. Maybe okay, Evolution. I'm assuming he must have came up with Mance or something like yes. that. Yes, I know. And Tink- the November show he came with uh, Brayden Lee, uh, Calvin. And uh, there might have been one other, uh, I think Chase Holiday might have came with them or something like that. I know there was like three or four of them that came up for that show. Yeah. And they helped set up, tear down, and then they sat up in the bleachers in the corner. Um, because me, uh, me and Billy rolled up with, uh, we took AJ up. Mm-hmm. And she sat over in the corner with them. And they knew, like it's kids like that that know, I have to eat shit to get an opportunity. Once I get that opportunity... It's my job to show my vi- how much value I add to this product. And that's what you got to do. And I think it's a lost art on people being willing to do that. It's like um, we kind of, you know, touched on this in conversations about how people get trapped in their local areas because they don't want to venture out and, like you said, lose money. Because if they lose money, they got to make that money up somehow. And they don't know how to make that money up, so they don't want to go lose it. But sometimes you got to lose money. 
you got to go drive six, seven, eight, 10, 12 hours just for that off chance that that place you want to be allows you in that ring to show what you can do. I decided to do the math on the whole AJ Gray thing. I never really thought about it. Just, just calculating from the middle of this to the middle of Cleveland. And so granted, there was m- more mileage put on there than this. One way is 731 miles. So if you consider round trip and AIW runs at least one show a month, so we'll average it to 12 shows round trip. That's 17,520 miles he put on his car before Thorne gave him a shot. Like, I never put it in actual mileage to really think about it, but that's, that is a lot. And I think you get some wrestlers who won't even go, um, maybe just on the other side of their state. Like, in, I'm saying that states like Ohio and, um, Indiana, not necessarily Tennessee, which that's pretty far from one side of the state to the other, but still. Still, AJ Gray putting that many miles on. I know, like I said, never put a number on it, but that's a lot. Yeah, and you got to think that he, for the most part, was doing it by himself. Yeah, like nobody else coming with him. He was literally doing a what about 10, 11 hour drive alone because I believe it's like uh, for him, it's from where he's at near Memphis. It's like four hours to get to Louisville. Uh, because recently he's now learned, oh, I can just stay at Mouse's house so I don't, you know, die. So he would four hours from here to from where he's at, and from where I'm at to Cleveland's like five or six hours. So this dude's driving like nine, ten hours or whatever, probably sometimes more by himself. And the thing is, is that AJ's a very simple dude. It's not like he's driving the best car in the world. Like this dude is doing it in cars that may or may not make, make it to the show. So this dude's literally putting a lot of faith in a higher power, a lot of faith in his desire to get there, his will, his determination to get there. That is unmatched. Like what he did for that year to earn that spot. You got to commend it. You got to like, there's nothing you can do, but respect that man's hustle to, Make it work. Uh, according to what I pulled up, it's about a ten and a half hour drive. If you go, figured if you That's get the brutal. speed limit the whole way, yeah, you do have the benefit. And of I'm there's sure a- during that time, he was probably doing it the whole way, like nonstop, just stopping only for gas, going. I've I've told AJ Gray before that I've done I've done a drive very very similar to this. Uh, even before I went down the Nashville for Southern on Ground Pro, which is why I knew I was able to do it. As a truck driver, there was a time that I drove just a little bit west of Nashville and drove all the way to Akron. And like that was my drive home. And then I went to AIW right afterwards. So I, I know the drive. It's not easy. It's not fun. And I've done it alone, too. My... Uh, little benefit for him, I should say, is that he wasn't in a, a vehicle that was governed at 65 miles an hour, so he could go faster, but still, <laughs> he he still came from Memphis, so that's, if anybody's ever taken the trip be- from Memphis to Nashville, that is one of the most boring drives I've ever been on, and I've driven in many places in Ohio that people call boring, that might be worse, because the only thing you have in the middle yeah, there um, is Jackson. 
Yeah, I, I recently, we did that uh, last, I want to say July. Uh, Billy was booked in Texas, so we drove down to Texas. So we recently had to go through that strip uh, twice. Yes, there's the only thing I remember seeing is trees. <laughs> there's There's nothing. Like, it's a very, very, very boring drive. And then, like, where AJ lives, is you blink, you miss the sign to get to his town. And, like, uh, the show, that AIW 200 show that they did in um, November, he met me at my house. Me, him, and Billy drove up to Akron, came back to my house. He got his car. He then drove to Nashville to meet up with some people so he could go to Atlanta to rest for AWE. So the thing is, it's not like he's going to uh, Cleveland and then turn around and sometimes going straight back home. He's going to Cleveland, then hightailing it to another booking that's also, you know, 10 plus hours or something like that away to wrestle and then turn around and maybe go home or maybe go to another booking, depending on what day it is. Yeah. So like that's, that's stuff that you hear when you listen to podcasts, uh, you know, Daddy Kingston's the CM Punk's and things like that, where they would talk about those types of drives where they would go hit IWA. Then they go to Jersey and do CZW. Then they swing back around and go back to wherever they're from and wrestle there or something like that. Like there's not a lot of people that still do that. They will literally just drive 10, 12 hours, hit one booking, turn around and go home. And that's all they have that weekend, even if they do the drive for that. Yeah. So for somebody to create a loop and not like an easy loop, like most people, whenever they try to create a loop, if I'm going to Indiana and I'm driving, I already know eight, 10 hours, I'm going to make sure that that drive or whatever shoe I have hits me coming back home. This dude is going about as far away from his actual home <laughs> as he can just to get that next day. Like, just think about that. I believe that show in November was on a Saturday. So it means AWE was on a Sunday and he's now putting himself almost the same distance away from home. Cause yeah. I believe from, uh, Nashville to Atlanta is probably about four hours or more. So he's putting himself just as far. And I believe from Memphis to, uh, Nashville is like three hours. So he's just as far away as he was in Cleveland from the area he's from. So it, that's just the drive he has is crazy. Not a lot of people have it. That's why I'm glad the dude's getting flown out some places now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy uh, loop to hit because just, I just pulled it up. Um, Memphis to Atlanta, depending on the way you go, is, is in between five and a half hours and six hours. Six and a half hours. If you go, th- if you go through Nashville, it's six and a half hours, but... If you go through Mississippi and Alabama, it's actually an hour shorter. But I can, uh, I've probably driven that way, and I don't think that's much better. Yeah, I'm, I don't think that uh, Mississippi or Alabama are states that are fun to drive through. But by far, the worst state to drive through is Iowa. Nobody ever should go through Iowa. <laughs> the thing that I'll always say about uh, states like Iowa, and Nebraska, because this is where I ran into that stuff. Uh, maybe Texas a little bit too, but it's I've, more with these two. I remember driving in a construction zone that was the speed limit was 65 miles an hour. And I was like, okay, 
I'll just continue going this speed that I've been covered to do. Because I, I want to say up out there was like 70, 75 miles an hour regular speed limit. Mm-hmm. So that's another state like there's there's absolutely nothing. It's it's almost the same thing with Texas. The thing is, with yeah, Texas, they know you want to get through it. <laughs> well, Texas, Texas. Oh, my God. Texas takes forever. And when you get in between the cities, that's when the the speed limits is crazy. It's like it is. I don't want to say it's 75 miles an hour. I'll never forget, which would annoy the shit out of me in a semi is it's 75 miles an hour. I'm governing at 65 miles an hour, but I managed to get behind somebody going 55. Yeah, it was crazy like that when we went. Um, I, I don't even think we were – the only time I can remember us really being on the interstate in Texas was we were leaving San Antonio to go to uh, Metroplex Wrestling or something like that and near Dallas. And we were on the interstate then, but on the highways, I think, down there, they were like 70 miles an hour. Like just what would be 50, 55 in Indiana – is like 70 down there and it's like okay y'all really want people to get to where they're going because you know there's nothing here like the only thing positive i got out of texas was uh bucky's outside of that you can burn that state uh when it comes to texas the main thing that i love is uh whataburger i'm gonna i'm gonna plead a fifth on that oh you, you don't like whataburger or you just didn't try it we tried it. Uh, so Billy was uh, booked for two shows in Texas this past July. She wrestled one in uh, San Antonio. It was ran by uh, Rudy Gonzalez, uh, SWA or TWA, whatever academy that him and Shawn Michaels ran. They did a joint show with a uh, girl fight. So we stayed at the gas station from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, yeah. I know where that's um, at, yeah. We then, there was like a Whataburger like around the corner, not too far from where we were at. So we tried it one night. I didn't see the hype. But now I'm probably going to have Alley Cat ready to slit my throat or something next time she sees us. Well, what did you have? I don't even remember. It was some type of burger. It just, I wasn't impressed. Like, I think it's one of those things where it's like a lot of things. Uh, people who travel, whenever they have something, they would they will put it over to no end because it's something that they don't get all the time. And I think that the hype that it was at, I did, it just didn't reach that hype with me. So I didn't care. It's kind of like whenever you go to, you go to Nashville, people put over cookout. I don't mind stopping at cookout because it's cheap, it's quick and I can get out, but it's nothing special. It's nothing that you have to put over as hard as you put over it's like, I'm sure, like, if somebody goes to Bucky's in Texas, the hype that I put on it isn't going to, it's going to be too great for that person to appreciate it. And I think Bucky's is on the list of greatest gas stations in the world because it was literally the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, this gas station was the size of a Walmart. And I got, you know, ready-made barbecue in the middle of a gas station. Um, I tell people all the time, I had a sausage on a stick wrapped in a tortilla. Like, it was literally the greatest thing I've ever witnessed. And I've never bought merch from a gas station, but we bought merch from a gas station. <laughs> so, I put that gas station over. I'm sure somebody else would go to that gas station and be like, Mouse is nuts. I don't see the hype for this. 
Was it bigger than Iowa 80? Because I know a lot of people who talk about the size of either one or some of the Buckies. Unfortunately, when I was over the road, I don't think any of them are like truck stops. They're just really big gas stations. But I compare it to the biggest truck stop supposedly in the world, but it's definitely in the country. And that's the Iowa 80 truck stop. I haven't seen that one. Apparently, I need like the problem is whenever we have to go to Iowa, which is usually for Revolver. Once I'm headed towards Des Moines, I I never stop. I've never had to stop. I've usually had enough gas that we can keep going, and I'm very much against stopping. Like, let's just get there. So, like, certain people I don't like traveling with, especially if they have to pee all the time, because I don't want to stop. I'm a let's get to the venue, we figure everything else out later type of person. So I guess I need to make a, a reason to stop next time I have to go to Iowa. Just to check out this gas station. Yeah, it's right outside of Davenport on 80. So it's like right as you get in uh, and you go around Davenport, uh, it's a really huge truck stop. It's owned by uh, TA and Petro, but it's you'll see signs I 80, and I think they might have it labeled the world's biggest truck stop. But that to me, that is like the the size huge wise of what I would personally measure it by, and I'm. I'm very similar to you when it comes to trips because I don't like stopping either. Like every time that I've gone to Black Label Pro, or I should say both times, not like it's been a bunch, but both times <laughs> I've driven straight there, or at least straight to Portillo's. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm diabetic. So holding in my pee a little bit longer hurts a little more. But like I do it just to like, all right, let's just get there. Even though. Yeah, that's nice. On the like, on the turnpike on the way there, there, there's I could easily get off and like take about five minutes pee real quick, but no, let's like let's get there and all that kind of stuff. So I I feel you on that. That's why I love certain people I ride with. Like uh, I love Wolf. Jonathan Wolf is now one of my new favorite people to ride with. Um, I love Adam Slade. He's one of my definite favorite people to drive with. I just don't trust him driving. Dude's the scariest person I've ever driven in a car with. Um, I don't know if he can judge distances. He's a wild driver. Um, but those are two that I definitely love driving with. Um, Aaron Williams is a great dude to drive with um, because these are people that, for the most part, they're like me. Let's just get there. We like we can go find food once we pull into town. Like We get something close to the venue. We don't need to stop necessarily unless we need to get gas. If we do stop to get gas, you get whatever you need out of the gas station right then and there, so you don't have to stop again. And that's how I think. Um, so, like, um, we did Revolver last month, and then right after Revolver, we went to Atlantic City. And it was me, uh, Wolf, Cole Radrick, and uh, Blake Christian. We take off. Um, they were asking for food. We couldn't really find anything open, so I'm just driving. So they kind of gave up on the food thing. And then I think we had to stop and get gas or something in the middle of Pennsylvania. But, like, nobody complained. Everybody was cool. We found something to hold us over in that uh, gas station until we got to Atlantic City. And then we kind of floated around and started finding stuff. And we ate someplace in the hotel that was just god-awful. But we... They were cool with waiting a little bit longer because we wanted to get there, even though we got there hours earlier than what we needed to be. But I just like people that don't want to waste time because I have too many people that I've driven with where 
I feel like every hour they ask to stop. And it's like, no, we got to get here. You can stop when we get there, and I just don't care to do it. All right, we've we, we've talked a lot on this episode, but <laughs> but uh, before we go, we like to end things with the Fave Five questions. Hey, this is Booker T, five time champ, and this is the Fave Five questions. Now, can you dig it? All right, what you got? All right, question number one. Let's start with. This is a newer question that uh, I've added recently, and that is Step Brothers or Talladega Knights? See, that's hard. The massive thing is, I, I probably quote Talladega Knights more than I do Step Brothers, but Step Brothers is really good, so I'm going to go with Step Brothers. It, it is very hard for people to pick on that one. That's kind of why it's on here. For me, it's Talladega Nights, but it's it's so, so close. I think I just love the quotability of uh, Talladega Nights. I mean, they're both quotable, but I feel like I quote uh, Talladega Nights more. And I love just yeah, I, the NASCAR I, setting. I, I probably overused the don't you put that voodoo on me, uh, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure it's something I say probably too much sometimes. It's either quoting that or quoting Joe Dirt. Yeah, Joe Joe Dirt's a good one. Uh, I think it's one of David Spade's best work, and I'm a huge fan of Tommy Boy. So I can kind of say, say that says a lot. I mean, granted, I love Tommy Boy way more, but that is a movie that I don't look at it as, oh, that's David Spade played in Joe Dirt. I'm like, oh, that's Joe Dirt. Absolutely. My favorite thing is to tell people, uh, is this where you want to be at when Jesus comes back? <laughs> making fun of poor old little mouse. <laughs> I've always liked the, which it sounds weird that I like this, but uh, the, like, uh, I'm your sister. I'm your sister. You're my sister. You're my sister. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I also tell people that my uh, goatee grows in all white trash style. <laughs> Actually, I I I say the same thing because I have like a bald spot on my chin and <laughs> I did grow up in a trailer park. So I'm just like, yeah, it grows in all white trash like that. Brother, I'm 37 years old and the facial hair I have is all I can grow. <laughs> <laughs> I think where I'm at right now, lengthwise, it's like the best I can do. Like, I can't do longer. Least I can do, okay. do it this long, which is long enough. All right, question number two. Um, wings, bone in or out? Uh, bone in. Uh, is uh, bone out even a wing? Isn't that a nugget? <laughs> uh, yes, I've heard nugget. I've heard chicken tender. But over the last year, I've gotten a lot of people, whether it be on the show or not, tell me that they like boneless wings more. I've heard because it's all white meat. I've heard because... It's they're easier to eat and creating less of a mess. Um, it's definitely to each their own. That's why it's a fun question of where are you going to be? Are you going to are you going to be someone who's traditional like myself and go bone in? Are you going to give me a weird reason why bone out is better? It's one of those things like if we're, if we're in a rush and I want to get out, then I go, you know, bone out. Just have, you know, those nuggets. But if I have time, then we're going bone in. Question number three, rank the fast food chicken nuggets between McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's. Uh, 
for some reason, uh, recently, like, I really have gotten to learn to like uh, Wendy's Nuggets. And after Wendy's, I would say um, probably uh, Burger King's Nuggets and then McDonald's. But Wendy's is definitely at the top. Oh, so Mikey's not going to be booking you for Black Label Pro anymore. Got it. It'd it be like that sometimes. McDonald's number three. Why? I think part of it is that I probably end up at McDonald's more than I end up at most places. So it's not a specialty. So when you go to these other places that you don't frequent as much, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. I think that's where it is, is because it's, there's McDonald's everywhere. McDonald's are like stop signs now. Yeah, I can see that. Question number five. Uh, favorite flavor of Pop-Tarts? I would have to say probably strawberry. Pretty pretty uh, traditional style answer. I can I can respect that. My, my uh, late aunt, well, that was like, she always had strawberry Pop-Tarts in the cupboard. Like, when I think of them, like, that's who I think of. Yeah, and if I'm feeling a little adventurous, then I can go with uh, some s'mores flavored Pop Tarts. Yes, that's that's my go-to. That's my favorite. And then uh, question number six, which I tailor around my guest for you. Um, you can only pick one. Who are your favorite members of IFHY? And the Lost Boys, and you can't do yourself on Lost Boys, and why? Um, and the Lost Boys is going to be Adam Slade. Um, Slade was a person that I met at PWF. The kids, you know, was doing like pre-show stuff, trying to get an opportunity, trying to get an opportunity. I would stay on him, saying, "Hey, you got to travel." He was one of those kids that didn't want to quite leave the area because he didn't know how to figure it out, how to do it, and he was just. You know, him and his tag partner, like he said at the time, would kind of blow me off on leaving and doing stuff. And I still give him uh, shit about this because he started traveling with another person that will remain nameless. Um, and I was like, you left with him, but you wouldn't jump in the car with me. But it's at this point now. Every Tuesday, Slade's at my open ring. Um, every time I have to go somewhere, Slade agrees to go. If he's not booked somewhere or already has a prior engagement to either hang out with his girlfriend or go with Levi someplace. So this dude literally has kept me alive in the car because he's made literally every Iowa trip with me for the past, uh, couple months or honestly, probably about the past six months. Um, he's, busting his ass and like i just hope that more people actually give him opportunities because he's doing everything right and they need to allow this dude to showcase what he can do he is my favorite lost boy member um as far as ifhy depending on uh what day it is most time it's sean kemp uh we have a similar taste and dumb snl skits so we will literally just send dumb stuff to each other so i like him for just how silly is and it's one of those things where the kid can wrestle his ass off whenever he wants to but it's just getting him motivated to do it like um like i mentioned i had um told him at my show in october you're gonna wrestle lee he spent probably about five or ten minutes fighting me on it because that's not what he wanted to do on my show he kept telling me i just want to be pupper taken i just want to be pupper taken 
No, you're wrestling Lee. No, I don't want to wrestle in a singles match. Put me in the scramble match and let me be pupper taker. For five or ten minutes, I'm arguing with him about this. But then the kid went out there, wrestled Lee, and had an amazing match, and I was happy for him. Um, but then honorable mention, I have to give it to to Wolf on honorable mention just to throw that in there because it's one of those things where I've watched that kid start busting his ass a lot over the past year, and if it wasn't for him – we would have probably died coming back from Atlantic City because I was getting tired and he stepped up, stepped up to the plate to take over the drive the rest of the way from middle Pennsylvania back to my house. What is your favorite SNL sketch? Um, of all time would be the word association with um, Richard Pryor and uh, Chevy Chase. Okay. Because for that to take place in the 70s is wild and I don't know how many people have ever seen it and it's hilarious uh but honorable mention on that uh like uh recently was the one where they had uh t'challa on uh black jeopardy and mm-hmm. he hit with the line of all now karen you and how he was talking about how uh guess why people put random things in their uh potato salad like raisins and such mm-hmm. <laughs> that's one of the ones that me and uh kemp share quite often anytime it pops in our head to watch it i think for me I was a huge uh, Farley fan, and the Matt Foley motivational speaker is just fantastic, even to a, to a point of when I was in high school, we had a motivational speaker come in, so I went to the thrift store and put together a Matt Foley-style costume and <laughs> wore it that day. I, I wish I had still had pictures of it, but that was before uh, digital cameras were rampant. And they were on fucking cell phones, but I, well, it was hilarious. And then I ended up getting like called down uh, to use as an example for something. And I thought it was hilarious because obviously I'm in this Matt Foley costume. (laughs) And uh, there was also a few other Halloweens that I dressed up as the Bill Swarovski super fan, the Chris Farley version at that. And I actually went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame dressed as it on Halloween one year. Nice. All right, man. It's been a long, long conversation. Any uh, final thoughts or last minute plugs before we go? I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's been fun. Um, Just follow I am Adam Slade on Twitter. Follow Rule Nyquil, spelled really weird. I don't know how he spells it on Twitter. Follow Billy Starks on Twitter. Follow Sean Kemp 317 on Twitter. If you want to follow me, you can. I'm WCW Mouse 3911 on Twitter. Yes, I'm now officially a WCW legend. Um, so I changed my uh, ad on Twitter. Yeah, what, what happened with that? Like, I just noticed it one day. First, I thought it was a different account. And then I'm like, oh, let me type in, you know, Mouse's handle. No, it's what the fuck? Uh, so it was the day that that uh, crowbar or whatever his name is was uh, shitting on like Danhausen and Warhorse and everybody. I was uh, going back and forth with uh, some fellow photographers making jokes, and uh, Basil was like, "Yeah, change your name." And I changed my ad. He's like, "Dude, I was just talking about like where you had Robert starts like your name. You didn't have to change your ad." I was like, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it. Then I started saying I was uh, Mass Warner's official WCW photographer. <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. Um, anything Anything else? No, I don't have anything else. You know, wrestling's canceled for a little bit, so nobody has anything else. 
All right. Uh, you can find myself at Heavyset330 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, much like you can find this show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook.com slash wrestling chairs, Twitter.com slash wrestling chairs, Instagram.com slash wrestling chairs. Email if you so choose, desire wrestling chairs at gmail.com. And we have the merch store over at watermaneuver.net. Like I said, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to this fine podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Podbean, wrestling chairs.podbean.com. Check out our friends on the trending topics network, such as All Beer Inside, Your Vision Showcase or Wrestling with Altitude, and check out our other podcast friends, such as Let the Hate Flow Through You, Pod Van Dam, Super Fantastic Podcast, Road Home from Wrestling, Haunted Home Video, The Indie Cast, Kick Out at Two, Center of the Universe, Sobros Network, Big Gold Belt Podcast, The Co-Host Wrestling Show, Spotlight Series, Not Ready for Primetime Wrestling, At Odds with Wrestling, and It's Evolution Baby, and check out our other non-podcast friends, such as Thrift Store Jobber, The Savage Dash, Mouse's Wrestling Adventures, Sickening Pictures, Good Company, Stay Tough, Smoking Jay's Barbecue, Russell Void, Midwest Territory, Southern Underground Pro, and the official graphic designer of Wrestling Cheers, Moy Boy Designs. That will do it for us here on Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially you, Trey Lamar. Later. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows you're there.